And so really it's like, so who you want to become is like, what do you want to impact? Like, you know, if I'm 47 and I get to live to 90, that's 43 years left of my life. Like, what do I want to leave behind? And what, what do I, who do I want to become? And that's, what do I want to impact? And what do I want to model? Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Warrior Queen Project podcast. I'm Brina Risa DeFranz. My voice may sound a little familiar to you from episode six that was recorded previously. Um, today, I'm interviewing Claudia Chan. She is a woman's empowerment leadership expert, social entrepreneur, and a dear friend of mine. Thank you so much for joining the podcast, Claudia. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> um, when Mrs. Bisse asked me to guest host this meeting with you, I have to say I was really, really genuinely thrilled in part because I love our conversations that we have. And every time I leave our conversations, um, I come, I leave with a renewed sense of a vision um, and I feel renewed in my purpose. And so I know our listeners here are really going to get a lot out of uh, today. So excited, really excited that you're here. So why don't we start a little bit, some background on you. I mean, when we first met, uh, we met, you were hosting or leading a women leadership symposium at a big corporate law firm here in New York. I was an attendee. And honestly, I was blown away by everything that you had to say. Your messaging for women in, in leadership positions through um, your, the spiritual aspect of your life. And so why don't you talk to us, tell us, you know, a little bit about the How We Rise book, and also you're a founder of the She Summit Whole Life Leadership Conference. You know, what is your overall messaging? Let's start with that. Yeah, no, I want to I wanted to say thank you so much for, um, you know, just this sharing space over the next, I guess, 30 plus 40 minutes that we'll be on the phone together. And Obviously, yeah, just a little history for the for the audience, because this is sort of how this all came together. Um, I'm the founder of She Summit, um, which stands for Advancing She, He, and Equity for All. It's a 10-year-old baby and award-winning um, convening platform and in the leadership space to inspire this new generation of leaders, right, to, to lead um, for something bigger to better humanity. And you know, doing a lot of keynote speaking and training in organizations. You heard me speak at something years ago. And then Swati launched the film, The Warrior Queen of John C. Film. And then I got to learn more about the Bisset family and this film. And I was so blown away after, and actually that was 20, that was 2019. Yeah, November 13th. No yeah, it was actually sort of the last outing that we were all out like physically together. And then 2020, I just monitoring what, you know, this film, this incredible project that, mm like she spent her lifetime creating or like yeah. this, like years and years of her life and her health and everything she sacrificed to create that film. And, you know, being somebody who's had 700 speakers on my stage and looking at extraordinary leaders and change makers, I, I looked at Swati and I was like, our landscape, the women's movement and just the humanity movement does not have a female figure um, that has the power and the influence and the voice and the passion, and the conviction Totally. Representing South Asian, representing the Asian community, the API community that's from that heritage. And I saw Swati and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, you know, <laughs> can we can we talk? Because I, I work with organizations to sort of 
I work to unlock and unleash what's inside of people, right? Mm -hmm. And I see movements inside of people. And I was like, Swati, we can't, the film was just the beginning. The Warrior Queen Project and all of this platform has just been, it's this amazing initiative to to get to it, to recognize and unleash and unlock and advance, you know, AAPI women and girls around the world. And especially in the U.S., because obviously, you know, we, we, we eventually get to that place of privilege so that we can lift others that don't have that privilege. So that is just, so it's really, really special for me to be here because like, I feel so a part of, you know, this, this platform. Right. I mean, certainly when I met, I said, you need to meet Mrs. B. Say, because I think, when these two minds lock, I think incredible vision can come out of it. So, you know, we're so happy that um, you're here and we're so happy that we had a chance to work together for sure. So let's talk about how we rise. Let's talk yeah. about and that. So, so, and, that, and that's really at the at the end, like at the core of it, it's a perfect segue into my work and my lifetime's work, which is really unlocking people. And how we rise is if you think about humanity is made up of people and the world is broken because human beings are broken. Right now, we're just talking in the context of the U.S., but I mean, even the last decade, you know, we've seen, you know, the women's movement revitalize. We've seen sexual harassment meet two times up. We've seen George Floyd and racial reckoning, stop Asian hate. We've seen then, you know, COVID set flexibility in the workplace and the great resignation. And you know, now, now finally we're in the humanity movement, right? Which is the work that I've always been in. And if you work in diversity, equity, inclusion, which is where, you know, in the workplace, which is a lot of where my time has been spent, it's always just been about when I launched the She Summit conference years ago, when I wrote my book in 2017, all the trainings and all the coaching programs, working with highest level leaders like Swati, you know, to the CEO of Catalyst, to, you know, executive leadership teams at Fortune 500 companies, all the way down to my coaching programs for the individual it's really about unlocking what's inside of people. And, you know, we transform culture when we transform people. So all the innovation in our, in our community, you live in Westport, I live in South Tampa now, all of the, all of the culture inside our workplaces, whether you work, you're, you, you run your own business or whether or not you're, you know, in a school or whether or not you're in a big corporation with 5,000 employees, you know, every culture is created by people. And so, so really I created something called the whole life leadership framework, because I believe that the definition of leadership and success was really never defined for all people, right? It was defined by a, like the systems that we live in and that we work in all of those systems. Like when we talk about systemic change, our political system, everything was designed by a dominant group in power, you mm -hmm. know? Right. And so we're coming from a broken history. And so we really need to lay, we really need to transform and to create systemic change. And it starts in the family, you know, it's like even like, you know, family, community, workplaces, you know, we really need to teach people a new way to lead themselves. Mm -hmm. Right. That's powerful. That's so true. It's so true, but it's so powerful when you say it. It makes sense. It has to start in the family dynamic. It has to. Yeah. And even if like you, you and I are both women of faith, Rena, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, even when we go to church, right? Like, what is it? Like, what, what is that journey? Right. You go and do something spiritual, like every day or every week, it's like, it's to go inside and mm -hmm. it's to actually like, wait, what are my values and how do I show up as the highest version of myself? Right. Right. And I, and basically my, my whole life leadership framework, just to define it 
it's really taking you on a journey to discover and design the highest vision of your whole self. And, and I think that we're all so busy, right? If we're looking at, you know, your 20s or 30s and 40s or 50s, like you're in the workplace and where you're taking care of your family and you're juggling, you're always in the externals of life. Go, 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 go. Burnout, burnout, burnout. It's like everybody's so stretched, right? So we never have the time to actually create the space to create. You need space to create what that vision looks like. And we're always running your lawyer, legal plans, business plans, strategic plans. Like we're always planning, right? For our work, for our career, but we're never planning for that internal whole self. And it's really broken down into three core modules, which is the first module is really like elevating the vision. And, and I talk a lot about your schedules and less about what you get done and all these external things that we're constantly chasing. It's actually about who you become, mm -hmm. you know? And I think it's really easy to get caught up in culture and what culture tells you, you know, you need to be and you need to have. And and so really it's like, so who you want to become is like, what do you want to impact? Like, you know, if I'm 47 and I get to live to 90, that's 43 years left of my life. Like, what do I want to leave behind? And what, what do I, who do I want to become? And that's, what do I want to impact? And what do I want to model? Too many people and organizations say they stand for these things. Like, oh yeah, you know, like we care about equity and da, 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 but they don't model it. You know, right. they don't model it. Productivity revenue, numbers, Trump at the end of it, Trump their humanity. And so we need to, you know, so that's the first module, elevating who you want to become, what you want to impact, how you want to show up. The second module is elevating your mind, you know, like, okay, so now that we've visioned something, what gets in the way of that? You know, we have 60,000 thoughts a day as a human being, we get triggered throughout the day. We have, everybody has a programming in their brains based on the culture you're from, the trauma you've been through, the, you know, the successes you've had, you know, the way you're wired. It's like, you know, getting a, getting a lay of the land of your internal mind um, and, and what your thinking patterns are and, and how that gets in the way and how that, you know, becomes a pathway to your vision. And then, and then how do you thrive as you rise is the well-being, elevating your well-being, building that internal strategic plan, getting whole internally. I think most people and most companies are building on broken foundations. Mm. And so that is the next, I think my next 10 years, like we're just celebrating our 10 years of She Global and, you know, all the work that I've been doing. But the next 10 years is really about, you know, is really about teaching this new definition of leadership and self-leadership and helping people get whole internally, helping organizations get whole internally. So we're actually building and creating cultures that are actually going to set our generations up to truly succeed and thrive. Right. That's, that's amazing. I want to, I want to go back to your first pillar concept when you say, who do you want to become? And let's look at Claudia in her twenties and thirties, right? Like has your vision of what you've wanted to become, is it evolving? And how would you say, like, what kind of roadblocks have you faced throughout this journey of where you are now and, and kind of setting up this women's empowerment platform and, you know, how we rise. Yeah. And especially since we're obviously, this is the AAPI community and speaking about Asian cultures and, all, you know, a lot of the sort of things that we all have in common. I was talking to somebody and they were like, you know, for, for like Koreans, it's all about beauty. And for, you know, for like Japanese, it's all about honor. And for Chinese, it's all about money. And like, it was like really interesting, you know, mm -hmm. this, you know, I mean, I think that depending on what parts of Asia you come from, some people would say like, you know, brown skin or, you know, I grew up with more yellow skin and, um, and just this, people might just all lump us off, lump us in as the same. Right. Category, but we're all so right? different. Like, we're oh, all just hire so the different. Asians because the Asians will yeah. just like, 
they won't speak up and they'll have no boundaries and they'll just do everything and be the people pleasers. And just, you could just, and they, they work the hardest. They're right. used to suffering. You know, it's like, <laughs> I think that, you know, I think that that's when you look at humanity and like, and you look at any organization, it's a melting pot of diversity. And so we all from our childhood come from different cultural backgrounds, what our parents experienced, our family of origin, Right. You know, did, our, did our parents stay together? Like, what was the messaging? What was their generational trauma that was passed on to them? Right. So we're all, depending on the culture you come from, we were all born into a book of right. information and we were coached and taught the same messaging. You know, so my messaging, you know, my parents were born and raised in, uh, sorry, they were born in China. They, both my grandfathers worked for the government. And so when Mao took over China in 1949, they all fled to Taiwan and so, you know, they really lost everything, you know, it was like communism and socialism. And, you know, they just, they went from being like aristocratic to nothing. And so when they came to America, um, you know, it was very much around, I, I feel like the first part of my life, it was living in a rent controlled apartment. We have broken English. They, you know, they didn't have college degrees and it was just, you know, a lot of your immigrant story. And eventually my dad, bartended and, and like Valley parked and worked on Wall like, you know, in wall street area and got finance guys to fund his own first Chinese restaurant. And then I, wow. when I was born and raised in Manhattan, it was, you know, they had a Chinese restaurant and my mom ended up like helping to manage it. My, my, my dad met my mom in Taiwan. They came back to, you know, New York and my mom just helped him run the restaurant business. And eventually they had a few restaurants, but it was always the messaging. I think some of the messages were, you know, we are yellow skin, we're not white, we need to work so much harder, we need to be accepted into the privileged communities. Um, they somehow put us into private school, they would like save money on buying Chinese newspapers, and yet still put us because it was all education, education, education. Yes, of course. And you become who you hang out with, right? You become the community you keep. So if I send you to a private school, you'll be like them, and you'll learn to be like them and, 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 and get that privilege and get that American dream. And that was a part of it. So much the core was, was financial provision. It was like mm -hmm. everything so a lot revolved around financial security. So I think now, like at 47 years old, looking back, I think all the indoctrination and all the programming in my mind was all about security and safety. You're, you need to survive this life. You need to figure out and we got to get you into this privilege system because we come from a broken country and a broken Wow. you know, system, we got to yep. get you to safety. We got to get you to security. Right. And so, and again, this was such hidden messaging, you know, get to a good school and you need to wear the right clothes and wear the right brands and you need to hang with the right people and then get the right job and earn the right salary and marry the right man and all of that, you know? Right. So that was really, I think, I, I think the first era of, you know, my 25 to 35 built this company called Shecky's for all the Gen Xers out there or the older millennials. It's called Shecky's Girls Night Out. It was the 2000s. It was the era of sex and city from like- I remember Shecky's. I know, Shecky's. That was my first era. Like I, women's I, I participated. I participated yeah. in a few of yeah. events. Yeah. And, you know, that was Zagat, Time Out. That was like the era of New York City, like sex in the city, right? Like the value culture placed on women was beauty, what you wore, where you were like, trendy restaurants. And that's what, you know, so funny how culture so shapes what we, what we value. And okay. so, but, but the thing is, is that I would say the first 10 years of my life, it was very much around chasing. And for so long of my life, it was chasing this external, these external checklist items, right? I have to like, you know, eventually achieve, you know, this income and have this net worth and, 
you know, live in this community and my kids need to go to these schools and, you know, hang out with the right people. And yeah, like, so therefore I think so much, I don't know if it was my generation, but it was a lot of it was all of my worthiness was attached to this external success, these external accolades. And I think so many of us, especially in this generation, grow up, chase, chase, chase this external thing. Like those people that break into New York City, break into Chicago, break into San Francisco, break into like those cities where they want to create the future and like be the best in the world. <laughs> and I, you know, I would say that that was like the first era. And, and really what I realized is I was chasing a ghost, right? I was really chasing. just chasing, I was chasing a ghost because really at the end of the day, it was chasing what I think that was, you know, I think everybody chases wanting to be worthy. I think it's identity, worthiness, security. I think at the end of the day, right. all everything just really comes down to those words. And for me, perfectionism and and chasing like that, those accolades was really tied to like, well, if I have all these things and I, my platform Shecky's reaches, a, you know, a billion people and like she global and she summit, and then I'm getting, then I'm recognized by companies and, and clients, then they're spending the money with me. And so I'm building a successful business so that I could actually have that security and safety. But, you know, for me, it's identity and um, identity and security and safety were so tied. And I think that that's really what I was so focused on, on, you know, achieving my whole life. And I think that's what so many people do. And they realize they find themselves in a place where they're just like burnt out, their marriage is broken, their kids are like, they're overly privileged and scheduled up the wazoo. But man, you know, there's a lack of joy and a lack of peace and a lack of well-being in a lot of these families and 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 lifestyles. Oh, right? I mean, I this you resonate a lot with part of myself now, but definitely part of my younger self, like chasing these ghosts and these ideals and goals that were kind of set either consciously or subconsciously by your Asian parents, right? So I guess the question is, honestly, like, have you stopped chasing these ghosts? Like, do we ever stop chasing ghosts? Yeah. And that that's my work. It's really about, you hit that point where it's like, wait a second, I'm I live this life every day and yet I'm not in alignment. Like something is off, like mm-hmm. something there's parts of me, maybe there's parts of me that don't feel right. And, and what it's what I call getting whole, right? So now back to what my curriculum is, it's really a discovering and creating the space to create and vision because what matters the most to you at 25 to 30 to 35, it, it, it constantly evolves. Right. And what I will say is, the shift for me, it was less about what I got done and more about who I wanted to become, you know? And when I think, when I go internally and I'm like, what do I want the quality of every day to be like? What do I want, you know, the, who I am, you know, reflecting on my vision for myself, my mind, my well-being. When I reflect, when I create that daily space to even reflect, am I in alignment with internally who I want to become and, 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 and what really matters the most, right? It's really this hyper simple life. And, and I will say like, let's just say for me, you know, like, and I say too, like I'm 47 now. And and if I, if I'm blessed enough to live to 90 plus, then I get to begin the second half of my life with all the wisdom I have from the first half of my life. Right. right. Really. And and right now I would say that I'm on this journey to like radically simplify. I find the ordinary things to be the more extraordinary things in life. That's beautiful. That's you know, beautiful. just like it, it's radical, it's, radical simplification. What does that mean, really? Yeah, I think there's different demographics, but you know, a lot of people in their like, I would say mid 30s or mid 40s. There's a and, and especially right now, our generation of women, right? Because that that mid to senior level woman, that demographic. I think that most of those folks, it's like it's 
they just have gotten busier and busier and busier, more promotions. They're making more money They're We almost just, it's like additive, 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 additive. And then they actually find themselves constantly on speed dial. And I think that, you know, when we, when you instead you actually reverse it and you're like, how do I simplify life? You know, and, and I think like they say that the wealthiest people spend more of their time managing and having anxiety about all their assets than they actually do living their life. Right. Right. Does that make sense? That does make sense. That does um, make, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I just, you know, like, so for example, you know, like, so radicals for me right now, it is, I've worked on really simplifying my business. Um, I'm actually merging my company with a platform. There's multiple platforms that I'm partnering with, but I realize that I don't really want to run a lot of the operations of my company anymore after, after 10 years, like I ran Shecky's for 10 years, I ran She Global for 10 years and I'm still running She Global, but the next 10 years is really about doing the parts that I love the most. So I can focus on, you know, really coaching and speaking and training. Um, but I don't, I can reach more people that way. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's been a radical, radical simplification and there's more margins. There's more margin in revenue. There's more margin in time. There's more margin in joy, simplifying family life. Um, my kids are five and seven. I have maybe 12 years, 11, like 10 to 12 years until they go to college. So I'm like every single, I do drop off every single morning. I pick up every day, John and I, you know, we sort of divide and conquer on how we split up. We're luckily, we both have a lot of flexibility, um, in our work, but I, every morning I'm like, it's a coaching message. It's my most important meeting, you know, time with them to, I mean, cooking, you know, doing laundry, you know, it's like, I, I've just found them to be moments where I could be meditating, listening to podcasts, listening to a sermon. I'm, I'm stewarding what I have. Hey everyone. I hope you have enjoyed part one of my conversation with Claudia Chan. Be sure to be on the lookout for part two of our conversation in the next coming weeks. This is Rena DeFranz on the Warrior Queen podcast. <laughs>